And welcome to Mentoring Moments. Now, I know that you're used to seeing my, 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 what can I call her? You know, the one that adds spice to this, Miss Tega. Tega is not with us today, but I have some of my other mentees that are very precious to me. And I'm going to let them introduce themselves to you. Selena? Oh, do I really have to do the first one? I tell them where you're from because you're going to hear three different accents today. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We are from around the world. But yeah, I am Hilo Shabangu. I am from South Africa, uh, currently doing my MA here in Ghana. So yeah, happy to be here. Really excited. Thank you, sweetie. <laughs> I am Nadine Swa and I'm friends. Uh, with Pastor Michelle and she, you know, she's mentoring us all. Okay, that didn't go. <laughs> <laughs> she's from Ghana. I'm from Ghana. We go to the same church. Yes. Yes. Uh, of course, now I'm the last one. I'm Selina Kwamini from Kenya. Uh, I'm also a student um, at University of Ghana doing my master's in population uh, studies and I'm definitely happy to be here with you all and to replace Tega for this. Tega <laughs> <laughs> sure is, for is this. happy to be replaced as well, so someone else can get jumped on. She always says, "They always pick on me, Mom." <laughs> well, you're always playing devil's advocate in our conversations, and they don't know that that's not really who you are. Yeah. Although sometimes she is. Because she's, after all, a millennial. <laughs> Your mindset is completely different yeah. from my generation. Lord have mercy, help me, Jesus. But anyway, um, last week we were on the road. We went to see a ceremony in uh, near Cape Coast, actually. One of my friends was becoming chief. And we had quite a spicy conversation. So we decided to continue it with uh, mentoring moments because a lot of the things they were asking are things that I know that are also on your mind. And I love doing this because not only do they learn from me, I learn from them. And I think that as long as you always put yourself in the posture of being a student, I don't care how old you are, how many experiences you have, you have had, uh, you're gonna discover something new to add to your repertoire of knowledge. So it's always good to stay open to hear what they have to say, find out why they're saying it. Because sometimes I know our hair can be on fire. Like, what? <laughs> what did you just say? But you need to know where it comes from. And so um, anyway, I think that they're an amazing young group of women. And I love talking with them. And I find them very stimulating and inspiring. And so we decided that we'd continue the conversation and share it with you. Is that okay? Yes. 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 Okay, so I, I hear you all have some questions, some questions prepared. But you were having this spicy little interesting conversation yeah, as was we were setting up. Um, and it, it was about if, if, it's, if it pays to be a good girl. And I can relate to that. Yeah. To be perfectly honest, you know, I think that... Um, I always remember, I, I, I've been working on a song for years called Come In From The Dark. Mm -hmm. And it's based on my experience as a little girl. Mm -hmm. My parents were very strict mm -hmm. and very protective. Mm -hmm. And we lived in a neighborhood that was a little more loosey-goosey. Parents were much more relaxed. Mm -hmm. And so the rule at my house was that I had to be inside when it was dark. Mm -hmm. 
And I hated that. Oh, yeah. Because it seemed yeah. like all the fun started after dark. After dark, right? Yeah. Um, and so I would be sitting in, in my room, in my window, looking at my friends running up and down the street, giggling. They would set bonfires. And they just looked like they were having such a good time. And I literally would cry because I couldn't understand why my parents wouldn't let me play in the dark. It wasn't until many years later when I saw one of those same friends wandering down the street, scratching their heads and talking to themselves, riddled with drugs, life completely ruined. And the ironic thing was that everyone that played on the street, their life was a mess. Um, and I said, wow. You know, and this is a spiritual principle. It seemed like a very simple thing at the, at the time. And you know, the, the word tells us that Sin is pleasurable for a season. Now, they weren't in sin. They were just innocent children playing. But when we look at the metaphor of playing in the dark, um, it takes on another connotation for us spiritually and emotionally and, um, you know, and even intellectually. And so then we have to ask ourselves, what is the pay when we say, oh, it doesn't pay to be a good girl? What is the pay? It is a momentary pleasure, a passing fancy. Um, things that we think will make us happy. Mm-hmm. Um, Pastor Nathan just did a, a teaching on happiness. And it's so weird because for the last two days, the Holy Spirit has been talking to me about the pursuit of happiness. Mm-hmm. And basically what the Holy Spirit said to me, you know, like, have you ever had those times when the Holy Spirit told you something? You were like, shut up, Holy Ghost. <laughs> you need to stop talking now. Don't tell me that. You know, like that, you know. But the Holy Spirit was saying, I've never told you to pursue happiness. I told you to pursue peace. Come on. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. He says, joy comes out of having peace. And I went, ooh, okay. Keep talking. You know, um, what is peace? Peace is reconciliation it's 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 resolving issues not just with god but with yourself and with others and when you're in that state of resolution when you've resolved some things when you've reconciled some things and made peace with them you have joy and so the thing about if you do it backwards and put the cart before the horse and you're pursuing happiness first you leave yourself open to deception and delusion because the enemy will set you up to be happy with things that are not necessarily things that lead to peace long term. So sin is pleasurable for a season. So God didn't say you wouldn't be happy sinning. He knows you'll be happy sinning. That apple tasted good in the garden or whatever piece of fruit it was till God showed up. Okay, when God shows up, the tables turn because now... You've got to deal with the very essence of who you are mm-hmm. and what made you delight in that thing that was out of his will for you. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And plus, tomorrow's never promised. You could be having a jolly good time, and that's the time your soul gets snatched from you. Mm-hmm. And there's where no do And where are you going? There is no with that. Yeah. You know? So, so the pursuit of peace settles some things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an interesting thing when you make peace with yourself about some things. You know, that's just not for me. Once you've settled that and you have a peace about it, 
it doesn't it doesn't make you desire something that's bad for you again. You know what I mean? It's like there there's certain resolves that that you make um, that lead to okay, I'm done with that. I think that's something that doesn't become a reality until you start to grow older. Mm-hmm. You know, there are certain things you make peace with. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, I had to make peace with being a single person. Mm-hmm. Okay? And when I made peace with that, mm-hmm. I got happy. Mm-hmm. I had to make peace about, oh, wow, I thought I was going to have twins and have about five kids and mold them into many <laughs> means. And, because I wasn't married, I didn't have the kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, I could just see myself with some kids. I would just be like, whoo, you know, I had it all figured out how I was going to raise them, how they were going to dress and who they were going to turn into. I didn't have children. I had to make peace with the fact at a certain point that I'm a certain age. This is my status in life. This is probably not going to happen. And I was able to release it. And at that time, God brought other children into my life. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so it, it, we can sit and envy mm-hmm. what we see people doing, but we don't know where the road leads. Mm-hmm. In that moment, you know, mm-hmm. uh, life can be cut short. Things can go south. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of things that can happen. Mm-hmm. And what's good for one will not be good for you. And it's as if you jumped into our questions. And really? So somehow half of Really? Is that what we're going? Like really you've covered because wow. our topic for today we chose how do you start over? And already you told us a few things I could mm. So yeah, I, I mean we can tackle <clears throat> the entire issue about mm-hmm. starting over. Mm-hmm. We've been thinking, of course I have been thinking, December is here and you're having this rush. Um, I had purposed in 2022 and do this, I'll be here, I'll be here. So right now I'm reconciling. Um, like, well... You got some of it done. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, the issue... Now maybe you can share with us what your thoughts have been or your experiences in your journey where you have been had to start over again <laughs> and in relation the to queen of reinvention <laughs> yes yeah That's the way. like yeah how did that process of reinventing yourself yes, like uh, because you really go? are a, you you really are a lady of many hats mm-hmm. I, I can't I don't even think the audience knows what you <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, you know, um, it's interesting because I was um, talking with someone before I came down to talk with you, um, and this person is just stuck, you know, um, and they were complaining about how life is treating them. And I was like, oh, you know, this is part of it. Our mindset plays a huge role. And if we can even start again. I'm always of the mind, and I think I get on Taker's nerves with this, <laughs> that when there's a setback, I've, the first thing I do is look for the lesson and look for the other side. Because I think it's very dangerous to get stuck 
in in the oh woe is me I'm spiraling I'm spiraling mm-hmm. this is so horrible what has happened to me mm-hmm. you know you need to happen to life and stop letting life happen to you mm-hmm. okay so how do I do that I make up my mind about some things mm-hmm. I think I've shared part of my story with you before mm-hmm. that you know there have been many times I've had to start mm-hmm. over I remember when I got accepted at Juilliard and my dad said, what is that? No, you've got to study something. I mean, can you imagine? People dream of going to Juilliard and, and, and the door is open and, ah! So I was like, okay, well, if I can't do that, what can I do? And I think that's the first step. If I can't do that, can I do this? There are always options. And I think that people get stuck when they fail to see the options. Mm-hmm. I was at a point in my life with that, you know, I, I just finished a, a book called Next, What to Do When Shift Happens, which will be coming out next year. And one of the stories I tell is a period of when I got stuck, mm-hmm. when I lost my job, I moved to Los Angeles and nothing worked out the way I wanted it to. Mm-hmm. The guy I was madly in love with had ended up living with somebody else by the time I got there and hadn't told me, you know. Um, I couldn't find a job. But then my unemployment ran out. Then I lost my apartment. I ended up having to live with somebody for free. It was also embarrassing. And my dad was going, why don't you just move back home? And I just was not in the mind space to give up and move back to my mother's house. For me, that was defeat. I had to figure it out. I had to make it work, you know. And it's interesting. Oh, I was 21. Oh. 21 Mm -hmm. at the time. And I couldn't see my options. Mm -hmm. Someone had asked me if I I wanted to model. I said, no, I'm an art director, writer, producer. Mm -hmm. I can't do that. Maybe God wanted to take me that way. I didn't think about the fact that I could do voiceovers. Mm -hmm. I'm an art director. You see what happens when you insist on this. I'm an art director, writer, producer. And yet no doors were opening in that. You see? But I kept insisting this was the direction I had to go in. And I blocked out everything else. It's like, you know, those horses that have those blinders? They do it to keep Mm -hmm. them focused on moving in one direction. The minute we do that, we cut off Mm -hmm. all of our other options. Mm -hmm. What do you have in your hand, Moses? Mm -hmm. I mean, Moses could have said, but I'm a prince. I've been raised as a prince in Egypt. I'm not supposed to be out here with these smelly sheep. I'm not supposed to do this. I'm not supposed to do that. And God says, what's in your hand? What's available to you? What does that mean when you look at what your options are? Who am I? What do I have? What are all the things that I can do? You know, like when I met Tega, I said, what do you do? She said, Oh, you know, I do some video production. And I said, really? Oh, you should come and teach my people. Well, she's ended up in my life for forever, so it was just a divine <laughs> thing. However, I've watched her evolve and grow and spread her wings, and she can do so many things. She's constantly self-developing. I hope I influenced her to that. But, you know, she doesn't just do one thing. And you cannot afford to do just one thing in this life anymore. Oh, yeah, with this world's economic recession? You can't. You must have multiple streams. I believe there's a reason that God created the garden at a place where the river split into three. To show that there have to be different streams working in your life, you know. 
And so you gotta have those options. Now I look back at that time, I said, shoot, I could have, I should have turned Hollywood on its ear. All the things that were inside of me that I didn't know yet. Now that comes also with maturity and growing to know who you really are. And so I think that a lot of times people aren't able to move forward because they don't know who they are yet. And they haven't evaluated what's inside of them. They haven't trusted what God can do with what they've got. Interesting. Pastor Michelle, on that note, trusting God with what you have. Like, because also the thing is, right, we are raised in a society where it's like you go to school, you get the job, after mm-hmm. you get the job, you get, it's like exactly. success. You know, success already has a pathway that you have to follow. And so the idea of doing something outside of that is not only is it nerve wracking, it's like. <laughs> It literally challenges every single thing mm-hmm. we've been taught to believe from my young age. So how do you get to that point of resting with the assurance that, you know what, God, I'm going to take a bit. Mm-hmm. I'm going to maybe start this YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. I'm going to write this ebook. Rest in that and know that God's going to do the rest. Like, mm-hmm. how do you talk yourself to get to that point? Well, ask yourself, what's the worst that could happen? Mm-hmm. Is it really that bad? Mm-hmm. So I do the YouTube thing and nothing happens. Did you die? Oh gosh, because how fast Pastor Michelle can't process failure? You, you I think that one of the big issues is when we live in our emotions, it, it shuts off the ability to think and be discerning. So it's not so much, and, and that's why God also does not tell us to live in our feelings. We walk by faith. Okay? So Everything about life that's going to be worth anything will always involve a gamble. If you look at some of the most successful people in life, they took serious risks. It was all or nothing. Right? Um, the owner of, of, of Virgin, what's his Richard? Richard Branson. Richard Branson. He didn't finish school, he had a dream. He put it out there and poof. And you know what? Here's the scary thing about dreams. If we analyze our dreams, it's usually something you've never done before. And a lot of times it's something that no one else has done before. So you go, where did that come from? And we get stuck on that rather than seeing an opening for originality. Because one of the things that I've learned in life is whoever is first, I don't care how many copies after that there are, that person claims the space. That person is always going to be the person that people are going to talk about about that particular thing. Mm -hmm. So being first is scary, but being first also solidifies your place and your legacy. You see? So when you look at every risk as an opportunity to do something exciting and to totally exploit an open space, again, mindset. Am I going to be afraid or am I going to see it as a dare and a challenge that I'm going to take? You know, like I said, in my life, I went to California, did all of that. I was felt sorry for myself for a year. It was it was a bittersweet year. I call it my Moses year because I learned a lot about God. I don't know if I learned as much about myself as I could have because I was too busy trying to fix the problem. I was never able to relax and be still and know that he was God, to be perfectly honest with you. 
And I, those are things that, I, as I, in retrospect, when I look back, I go, I wish I could have relaxed in that mm-hmm. season and just said, God, show me your stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he did anyway, but I was still too busy trying to fix the problem to have a full appreciation for how God kept me that year. Because, let's face it, I didn't work for a whole year. And I had my own apartment. I had a car. I ate every day. <laughs> I think it's like, it's hard, especially when you're an adult. Yeah. The existential issues. What's it? Who's going to take care of my needs mm-hmm. and all of those things if I abandon mm-hmm. everything and then go after my dreams? Mm-hmm. I think it's it's a really big one. And then you yeah. worry about what other people think too. That's yeah. a baby. You. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. yeah. So all of that has to fly out of the window because people who dare to do the unbelievable don't they don't regard any of that. When we look at what it says about Christ, it says. For the joy that was set before him, he endured some things. He also despised some things, which meant he didn't allow those things to distract him. And he had to, you know, discipline himself to shake those things off. The opinions of others, um, the lack of understanding around him, um, misinformation, betrayal, rejection, um, you know, he went up against a lot. It wasn't, you know, as glamorous as sometimes we see the scriptures painted or imagine them to be. Um, so in the face of, I mean, they said, isn't he that carpenter? I mean, what good could come out of Nazareth? I mean, who does he think he is? And at some points he had to shake the dust off his shoes because they didn't. They just chose not to believe in him and he couldn't do anything there because of the lack of faith. So now when you think about it that way, expect the despisers. Expect the naysayers. Sometimes you don't have to answer them. You just stay focused on the joy that's set before you. You got it. Oh, did you ever watch that movie? Oh, Tega and I, we went on and on and on with this movie. <laughs> what was that movie about uh, when the woman was married to the guy and she helped him for years and years and years and then her relatives made her divorce him? Acrimony. Acrimony. Oh. <laughs> Lord have mercy. <laughs> You know, she got snuffed. Oh, we need to add that on the list. Acrimony was deep, okay? And, uh, you know, she blew it because she was listening to other people. And, and, and the, guy, the guy did seem hopeless for a while, but he kept at it. He stayed focused on that thing, and he finally became successful and very, very rich. She had given up, and it didn't go well, you know? So all of that to say, what you won't follow through on, mm-hmm. someone else will. Mm-hmm. And you'll literally see your dream realized within someone else's life. That's a horrible feeling. But then, Pastor Michelle, on this example you've given, right, with this man, I think he waited about 18 years mm-hmm. until his like, dream um, innovation was like taken seriously and so, he got millions for it. But the, now in this, in this process of the waiting, how do you now get yourself to understand what is God's, you know, maybe denial mm-hmm. and not necessarily yeah. like de- the enemy's mm-hmm. delay? Because sometimes the enemy could genuinely be delaying you to just be mm-hmm. like, not to, not to achieve the thing. But I feel like when you're in the situation, you don't necessarily know how to tell the difference. If this is do delay you think they're separate? 
Well, if one is coming from the enemy, one's coming from God. You think it's separate? <laughs> Isn't that separate? Well, God is doesn't, the enemy have get, doesn't the enemy have to get past God's death? Death? Oh, that is true. God is sovereign. So if you, if and that's a dangerous mindset, because that actually means that you believe that if the enemy wants to stop you, he can stop you and there's nothing God can do about it. But if you know about the sovereignty of God, just as he created, you know, there's a scripture that we get hung up on because it's misinterpreted that God, you know, created vessels of honor and dishonor. He didn't really. He just knows which vessels will be dishonorable and which ones will be honorable. And he uses that information to fit into his plan for his will to be perfected and finished, right? So now if we look at that in light of the enemy, the enemy is actually quite laughable. We've made him into this very... <laughs> fearful, fearsome person, but he's still under the control of God. He's still, and, and actually he's under our control too. We just don't use our authority. But after, and then there's a word that says, after having done all, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. So sometimes we may be using our authority, but nothing's budging. And at that point, you've got to look to God and say, okay, God, you're doing something different. What is it? As opposed to saying, oh, the devil is doing this to me and the devil is doing it. He can't. He literally can't at this point. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. And God is sovereign and over all. So anything that the enemy does has to get past his desk, a la Job. He was not allowed to go any further than the boundary that God set for him. Okay, you can do this, but don't touch his skin. Okay, you can do that, but don't do the do. Okay, you can do that, but don't do this. So wouldn't that be the same God at work in our life that he might be allowing the enemy to think he's delaying you, but actually in the delay you're being perfected for the thing that you will eventually get to. I mean, the enemy made Joseph's brothers sell him into slavery. The enemy made Joseph go to jail. What well, he needed to do all of that to be ready for that position. As a slave, he learned the language. He had to learn the language. He had to learn all the protocols of, of maintaining a household. So he ran everything in Potiphar's house. That meant he handled finance. He handled every single part. So he learned all the intricacies. He also learned the culture. He heard what all the people you know, on ground were saying about everything. Mm -hmm. Politics, uh, their boss, every single thing. He, he, he was so educated. And then he went to jail. He went to the king's jail. Yeah. Orchestrated. The king's jail. Not just any old jail. Okay? Why? Because he had to learn about the palace. He had to learn about everything concerning the Pharaoh. He had to learn about all the palace entry because you know they were talking and gossiping about everything. So by the time he came out, he knew everything he needed to know to run Pharaoh's lot. Okay? How else would he have done it? How else would he have been transported from Israel? Thank you. So sometimes we're calling it the enemy and God is calling it process. Yeah. That refines fire. That's what it sounds like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, in our discussion, in your discussion, we were just, uh, we were talking as well about 
how it means to start over in our social relations because sometimes it feels like it's two different um, things. Um, when people, let's say you've been engaged publicly and then this person also decides, oh, we are breaking off the engagement. So you find okay. people start, stop coming to church because everyone is now like, what's what happened? Mm -hmm. Why didn't you get to, to, to that? And I think for women, it impacts them more. Sure. Um, have you had experiences where you also had to start because, again, in this other side of your life, like, hmm, I'm counting my losses in terms of <laughs> social, um, mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't have to be, even in terms of siblings and, and family. Sure. Yes. Some things you can't start over. And you need to be able to kiss them goodbye and know that that is a gift. Mm -hmm. You know, T.D. Jakes talks about praise God for the goodbye. <laughs> mm -hmm. wow. you know, um, being thankful for what God ends because you don't know what you're being saved from. But obviously, if it was good for you, it would still be in your life because every good and perfect gift comes from above. Okay? So, uh, and it's his pleasure to give us good gifts, not not stuff that's going to make us sick or hurt us. Um, and and we can orchestrate a lot of stuff. I mean, God will let you name the animals in your life. He will. Even if he doesn't agree with the name, because we're free agents, right? But if you're really surrendered and you say, God, take away everything out of my life that you don't think is good for me or you know doesn't belong in my life, and then he starts moving stuff, and you're like, wait a minute. He goes, but wait a minute, you told me. <laughs> okay. So once again, and I think that this is a maturity piece, walking with open hands before God. Yes, sometimes the sting is there. If you look through the word, you see lots of people being disgraced continually. It's part of the journey because everyone's not going to have the grace to understand what God is doing in your life. So you need the grace to understand what God is doing in your life. And sometimes you have that aha moment a little later. You know, it's kind of like a delayed reaction where you go and go, oh, that's what I see. Oh, oh, God, thank you, Jesus. I remember there was a guy, oh, boy, I thought I should have married him. And years afterwards, even, I still regretted it. And then he popped back up in my life and said, I want to get back together with you. And when I saw him, I was like, thank you, Lord. Shamalahamala. Okay. I dodged a bullet. I dodged a bullet. And many times in life, we dodge a bullet. And we're, at the time, it feels like, let the bullet hit me. But God knows that it was something that would bring death to you. And he said, nope. I'm not letting that happen to my baby. You know, that's the big part of it. How much do we believe that God loves us? If we see everything through the lens of his love for us, we have a different mindset towards things that happen to us. We know that they're not happening to us. They're happening for us. Does that make sense? Yeah, because God is so passionate mm. about us. He loves us so much mm. 
that he is like a terrorist when it comes to protecting us. And sometimes it's like, when I was saying, oh, why won't you let me play in the dark? There was something my parents knew about the mindset, what that would develop. You see? And so he keeps us. You know, sometimes we don't even know we're being kept until later. Like, I remember when I got out of school, um, and a couple years later, I got saved. And I started calling friends of mine that I hung out with in school that had left the city. Guess what? They were all saved. I was calling to evangelize them, and they were, like, answering the phone, like, praise the Lord. And I was like, what? You got to be It was like God had us in a clique before we even knew we were in a clique. And that's what he does. He separates us unto himself. And so if we now consider ourselves to be well-kept women, in the sense of we know that there are a lot of girls that got these little sugar daddies these days, and it seems like they're having all this glamorous time, but you got a sugar daddy. <laughs> you got a sugar daddy. And when you start seeing him as your sugar daddy, he starts manifesting as a sugar daddy. And then you don't need somebody to take you to Zanzibar because he'll make a way for you to get to Zanzibar without being committed or having a duty to somebody else. Come on. marriage as this ultimate end yes. goal mm-hmm. and that if you don't recognize it um, or you don't achieve it you would have failed but moreover I wish they didn't make it seem like your ability of being a good girl will ultimately promise you mm-hmm. a good marriage yes. and because I feel like I'm at a point in life where again coming to starting over mm-hmm. it's like I have to rewire my mind to yes. understand that my goodness does not guarantee any blessing mm-hmm. that I'm going to get right. it is not out of my marriage it is out, it's out of God's mercy yeah. and I think if I had been maybe um, socializing to that understanding mm-hmm. you know you would you'd just be more free as mm-hmm. a woman in God because you'd understand Everything I need is in him. I don't mm-hmm. need to wait for a certain season in life. Then I'll be like, oh, then I'll be taken care of by a man. But so then I have to be the strong, independent woman. I really wish I had learned that mm-hmm. like really sooner because this idea of holding on to like marriage, let me be good, let me be good. And I think that's why we struggle starting over. Yeah. Because your identity it like, was wrapped like, up in that person. In, yes, in that person. The people sometimes they even start encouraging a relationship before you're even sure. enlightened. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I, I've told you this by the time I was graduating in undergrad, our graduation is like on Friday, my friends were getting married on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So um, 
also to another question that I would want to ask. How do you avoid comparing yourself mm-hmm. in this, in gen- generally, in just life? Because some of us are starting over like five times and someone is already finishing the mm-hmm. race. They've got the car, they've got the, the house, everything. and they're on another race and another track and they're learning different lessons. You know, I, I was interesting. I was talking to a friend uh, today who's actually considering getting a divorce. Um, has had a marriage that has been awful. And uh, not really a marriage. And she's put up with it for many, many years. And she's finally, you know, tired. And so her thing was, I wish I had known certain things before I got myself in this situation. So let's start there because you said, how do I start over? I think that those start overs are a blessing from God, mm-hmm. you know, because as painful as they may be, mm-hmm. they make you avoid greater pain mm-hmm. when you're in a more permanent situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and sometimes you don't see the person until it's over. Mm-hmm. And then you find out things about them and you go, mm-hmm. whoa. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wanted the situation, but I didn't want that, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, we romanticize marriage. We tend to make marriage an end goal. We also hold it as a beacon of success. And neither of those things are true. Uh, having a great marriage that lasts is a success story. But just getting married is not a success story. Anybody actually can get married. You know that you still could really just get married, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> there are, you know, <laughs> you really could. I mean, you know, and, and I say that to people all the time because I go, well, what about that person? They go, no, not that person. But that person really likes you. No, I don't like that person. So you've made a choice, right? So when it comes to, to, to starting over, once we go back to that pursue peace thing, you know, why did this not work? What's the lesson in this? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and it's not just what's wrong with me mm-hmm. because it takes two to be wrong mm-hmm. in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, someone wasn't, wasn't honest. Someone didn't say what needed to be mm-hmm. said. Someone didn't do. It's not always what a person did. It can also be what they didn't do, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So when we look at that, for me, one of the things about starting over is let me reconcile this chapter. Mm-hmm. What was the point of this chapter in my life? Mm-hmm. What can I learn for me? It's not about what the other person did. Mm-hmm. It's never really about what the other person did mm-hmm. because you allowed something. Mm-hmm. So it's about how do I become a better person in this experience based on what I did or what I didn't do in this situation? Mm-hmm. I can't worry about the other person. They might never change. They might never grow. They may never evolve. They may never become the person you wanted them to be. But you can. Because once again, it's not a life happening to you. It's you happening to life. You know, um, God says that he's given you authority. And that's not just over spiritual things. That's over your mindset. It's over how you choose to view life and how you choose to do life. Okay? So you get to make decisions every day. Um, Your emotions will never serve you. Your emotions are supposed to obey you. They are not supposed to guide you. 
Because when they do, they'll always lead you in the wrong direction. Okay? So in starting over, reconcile with yourself. Stop worrying about the other person, if they'll ever get it, if you'll be able to forgive them, if they'll forgive you. All those questions and things that happen. Why did they betray me? Why did they reject me? Why did they cheat on me? It, it, it really doesn't matter at the end of the day. It's who am I going to be in this situation? You see? So it's really about self-mastery and exercising emotional intelligence. Now, that being said, this whole aura of marriage... It's not even just about being a strong, independent woman because we're made to be interdependent, okay? Um, and that's why I encourage young women to have male friends. Learn about men from your male friends. If you're in a vacuum of just women sitting around think, talking about what men are thinking, it's going to mess you up because you don't know. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> you don't know, okay? So now, the, the other part of that is and it's not just about the grace of God. It, it can also be a lot about wisdom. That, why do you think God says, with all you're getting, get an understanding. Pursue wisdom. What he's saying is get smart about relationships. Get smart about how to read people. Get smart. Get discerning so that you're not accepting things into your life that aren't going to work for you. So faith and wisdom have to go together. Intellect must be included. This is not just a spiritual ride that we're on. You know, and we spiritualize a lot of stuff and then blame God when it doesn't work out. And he's like, what? I don't have nothing to do with that. I, I tried to tell you. I love that girl on Instagram that does a little post. About, she's talking and then the angel is looking like this and God is looking like that. You know, I mean, I, I see that. You know, and so I, I, I want you to be encouraged that, yeah, your mind does have a say in how your life goes. Mm -hmm. And marriage should not be a goal. It should be inspired by someone coming into your life and you saying, wow, I do life so much better with this person. Mm -hmm. They're literally an asset mm -hmm. in my life. The person I was talking to earlier, I, I said to her at one point in the conversation, why do you feel you have to pay a man to be in your life? Because she had rescued her husband and paid for this and paid for that. And he never thought about giving her anything. As a matter of fact, he was asking her for money back when he loaned her. I said, why is a husband loaning money to his wife? But if you don't reconcile with God, reconcile with yourself that you are a person of value, and that you're actually a gift to whoever comes into your life. Mm -hmm. You'll pay people to be in your life. You'll serve people to be in your life. Mm -hmm. You'll be exchanging things to have a relationship. And, that's, and that never builds a solid relationship. The person doesn't respect you. Mm -hmm. And eventually they lose interest and move on. Because there'll be somebody else that can do exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. You see? Mm -hmm. And so it has to be about you nurturing your inner self, becoming who God created you to be, celebrating that and knowing that you're a gift to every person that you meet. You bring something to the table just in who you are, not what you do. That's why we're called human beings and not human doings. He never told us to do anything. He told us to be, be holy, be still, be this, be that, and pursue peace. Pursue peace.
Pursue it. Run after it. Yeah. Stop and think, is this going to bring peace to my life? I'm here for You're pursuing peace now. And out of the peace comes what? Joy. Joy. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Now you've learned. Got it? Got it. Good to go. <laughs> Be good. Be good. I know, I know something that's like really helped me. Like when I just turned 30 and all of the when I get married things started. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. I know what helped me was making more friends. Uh -huh. Just opening up my circles and making male friends, making female yeah. friends and other things. I realized all oh, I was I was spending too much time just thinking about marriage and, mm -hmm. and worrying about it and all of those things. Uh -huh. And it magnifies disappointment. Yes, mm -hmm. it definitely does. Mm -hmm. And now when based on the quality of friendships I made and all of those things, actually the the standards or I expect out mm -hmm. of a man now are higher. Yes. And <laughs> and I yeah, I think I think it's it definitely put me at peace. Mm -hmm. You know, because there's so much love that you have to give. Mm -hmm. That's the truth. If you're if you're if you're a woman, if you're a good person and mm -hmm. you're kind, there's so much you have to give. It's and true. it needs to be expended. Mm -hmm. If you find yourself with one horrible person, mm -hmm. you spend all of that uh, yeah. love and all of that on them. Mm -hmm. But if you have friends, if you have good quality relationships around, you can spread it around. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's something I really need. It's very true. That's that's the whole purpose piece. That's the community piece. Um, you know, when we're in community, it keeps us balanced and it keeps us in a state of discernment. Because when we're desperation diminishes discernment. You actually cannot choose a good partner until you're happy. Yeah, because this ratio will make you take anything. anything. Like, Please, just marry me. Yes. <laughs> You'll sell your soul. I'll buy you a house. Now I'm buying a house for a man. Okay? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I know we're almost wrapping up. Have you ever, because we're also, for both of you, mm -hmm. you've been in careers? Do you feel because there's this conversation that um, Gen Z are teaching us that if a workplace is toxic, there's a I hear it's called quiet, uh, quiet quitting or something like that. In workplaces, how has starting over changing careers for both of you? Mm -hmm. Because I find and Billy and I sometimes we invest in people's dreams for so, so long, long, yeah, that. I feel guilty even when I feel like um, this thing is not working out. Mm -hmm. So what, how did you switch at this? Mm. You want to answer that first? I have recently moved on, like we're almost done, mm -hmm. moving on from a place that I've been for so long, for seven years. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I mean, there was, there was a little bit of a temptation to do the quiet quitting and all mm. of those things. But I realized so much depended on me. And I thought it would not be, I'll not be a good Christian if mm. I just abandoned everything and left everybody, you know. Mm. But there was, I mean, so much will, will go wrong, so much will happen mm. if I if I did that. Mm. Considering we mm. work with vulnerable young women, 
And I mean, mm. who was going to, you know? Mm. So instead of that, I, I don't believe in that. Unless like it's a really, unless it's a violent mm. space and all mm. of those things, give people the opportunity to be gracious towards you. You can do the, I'm giving you time to to resign. I'm giving mm. you a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm willing to do the handing over and the whole process with you. And if they react in a bad way, it's on them. Mm-hmm. But I think that if I, I owned a business and somebody who a lot depended on just took off and left, I, I would out. I, I, I don't know if I, I haven't gone through it, but I, I think what they mean by quiet quitting is you just show up at work. You don't really enjoy the place. Oh, so okay. you're just... You're there, but you're not there. Do, yes. Mm. Because I find that so many people are stuck um, at... We have... Like, you have little joy there. Mm. And, and honestly, perhaps even it's not a really good place. But you're wondering, is this... Do you have to get another thing before you actually now actualize the quitting or? Well, I think that everyone should have an exit strategy. Yes. You should always have an exit strategy. And then it makes the waiting to leave more tolerable because you've got a goal. Um, If it's just about, I hate my job, I hate my job, but what are you doing to get to another one? then that's on you. That's your fault that you're miserable because you don't have a plan, you see? Now, I it's, it's funny, I went through this thing where I, I enjoyed my job, but I just felt like something, there was something more. And that was really the nudging of God actually calling me and pulling me into ministry at that time. And I didn't have the courage to leave because it was, you know, it was a pretty cushy job and, you know, it had a lot of perks, right? <laughs> But there were things about it. It, it became the happy. It was like God was sitting on my head, right? Mm-hmm. And because I wouldn't release myself, He released me and allowed me to get fired. Mm-hmm. Then I was like feeling all rejected. He was like, "Well, you've been praying and saying you want to get out of here. I'm confused, <laughs> you know." Um, and my exit strategy was not really in place. Mm-hmm. But God graciously scooped me up and put things mm-hmm. in my life that sustained me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but I believe that we have to have different streams in mm-hmm. this season of life. Mm-hmm. You cannot afford to just bank on one thing because mm-hmm. if that rolls off, like you talked about finding your identity in marriage, mm-hmm. a lot of people find their identity in their work. Mm-hmm. Um, they find their identity in their financial status. Mm-hmm. And when those things bottom out, they're suicidal. They mm-hmm. don't know how to get back up and start over again. Because their identity was in what they did and not who they were. Mm -hmm. When I know who I am, Mm -hmm. I will always be able to reinvent. Mm -hmm. I've got my own personal toy chest inside of me. Where, oh, if that toy stops working, I'm going to pull out another toy. (laughs) Start playing with that one, you know. Ask God to blow up that one, okay. I mean, during COVID, I was in London, right, for Mm -hmm. a while and... So what did I do? I mean, I pulled out another toy. I started MMA Chang out. Mm-hmm. And people from all over the world joined those Zoom sessions, right? Mm-hmm. When COVID ended and people didn't have, you know, as much time to attend the hangouts anymore, I pulled out another toy, my fashion line. It was something I'd always wanted to do. MMH Collections was born out of a... You see, so there's always a void. Mm-hmm. 
The void creates an opportunity to fill it with something. You can fill it with questioning yourself. You can fill it with saying I'm stuck. You can fill it that way. Or you can fill it with a new toy, right? What did you? What is it that you've always wanted to do? And if money was no object, what would you do? Do it. The money will come. It's pretty scary. It's scary. I think, I think sometimes you know that this But it's scary. also exciting. Again, <laughs> mindset. You know, listen, when, it was so funny. When I did my fashion line and I asked this lady if I could be in her fashion show, mm-hmm. and she kind of looked like she didn't really like my stuff. I oh. felt like. Or maybe it was just my insecurity, like, is it really good enough? I mean, I thought it was cute till I showed it to her. And, no, I'm not quite sure. You know? But I don't know. And she's like, okay, well, all right. And I was like, ee, you know. And then we did the fashion show, and I got selected as the finale. And all of a sudden, what? And I got nominated for Best Runway Collection, and all kinds of stuff came out of that. I had to press into the fear. You know, either the fear is going to challenge me or I'm going to challenge the fear. Once again, I'm a big believer in life not happening to you, but you happening to life. Well, we should do a t-shirt like that. <laughs> I am going to happen to my life, okay? And that's, that's the mastery of it all. It's, is the glass half full or is it half empty? How I look at that glass is going to affect my emotions. It's going to affect what I do next. How you, it's going to even affect how you think of yourself. Which exactly. Mm-hmm. Am I in a state of lack or am I in a state of plenty? Mm-hmm. Is God good or is he not? Mm-hmm. All of those things are going to give me a mindset. You know, I think that Eve didn't know God enough to know that he was good. And so she believed the serpent when the serpent said, mm-hmm. he's holding out on you. Because really that was the suggestion. He's not telling you everything. He's holding out on you. Now, if she had known how much God loved her, she would have known Mm -hmm. that she was already who the devil was suggesting she could become Mm -hmm. if she defied his order. Mm -hmm. And so, at the end of the day, we're already really who we envision ourselves to be. Mm -hmm. But how do we chart the path to get there? Mm -hmm. Yes, there will be roadblocks, it says, that the door is open, but there are many adversaries. Mm-hmm. Why are the adversaries allowed to be there? God allowed the adversaries on the way to the promise to teach them how to war. So it was for their own personal development, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, mm-hmm. that he allowed them to get tested. And what it did was it allowed God to show off who he was in the midst of the testing. To flex. So, yeah, he got to flex. He got to show off. You know. <laughs> so okay. So he got to part Red Seas and everything. He was particularly fond of that one because he always repeats it. I am the one who parted the Red Sea. Right? So our mindset about who God is, who we are, who we are to him, literally affects everything. You're already valid. What if you never got, I mean, Jesus never got married. He's still waiting for his bride. So why are we? (laughs) He's still waiting. Okay. So if we're already valid, why do we need someone else to validate us? That's not what marriage is about. That's not what your job is about. That's not what money is about. 
It's, it's to empower you to continue to fulfill the purpose God created you for. What, you have, what if you have like so many talents that there's so many things you can do? How do you know when to do what? The season presents itself. I mean, I couldn't have done my collection like a couple years ago, you know. Um, and, you know, I was writing, 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 writing. And then I stopped writing. And I can't say I voluntarily stopped writing books. It was the way publishers were responding since my move to Ghana, mm. things like that. And, you know, for a moment I was heard about it, but it gave me the time to develop my music ministry, mm -hmm. which was something else that God had placed on my heart to do. And so can you have everything? Not at the same time, mm -hmm. but they come up in different seasons of your life. And then it's an unfolding. It's like life is like an onion and there's these layers and layers and layers. Mm -hmm. And the stronger, when you, the closer you get to the center, the stronger the smell. Mm -hmm. The stronger you emanate mm -hmm. what's at your core, mm -hmm. okay? So it's really about allowing God mm -hmm. the time mm -hmm. and trusting him with that timing mm -hmm. and looking at what's in your hand. Mm -hmm. What can I do today? Mm -hmm. That's all that matters. I'll get to that at some point. But today, but today mm -hmm. this is what is at hand. Mm -hmm. And when I use it, when I cast it down mm -hmm. and let God breathe on it, he can make it into something greater than I imagined. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, you know what? I hope that blessed you today. Those are questions that we've all experienced. We've all asked at some point in our lives. So I'd really like to hear your thoughts on what we talked about. So... Don't forget to uh, subscribe, like, share with other people, and leave comments. Mm -hmm. And we'll be back again. You guys will see me next week. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>